0: So good morning, Inspire. How are you today? Praise God. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. We welcome all of you. Our first time attendees, we're so happy that you have come. And those who are joining us today at home, we're delighted that you are watching as well and worshiping with us. This is a glorious day. There are three days, as I mentioned, Friday night that in the course of a year are the triumvirate of days. They stand out above all others and they are the birth of Christ, the day he was crucified, and the day he was resurrected. It wasn't long ago we celebrated the birth of Christ. As you are aware, and I'll say this quickly, I always could, you know, I struggled. I I, I couldn't understand. I always question in my mind why so many religious folk godly people good people love god on two of those three days you couldn't find them within a 10 miles of church that was on christmas and that was on good friday we always were told those were were family days and here it Inspire we've tried to buck that trend and go against that and once again implement worship on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and on Good Friday. And I want to tell you, Friday night was amazing. It was. Amen. Those three days, Christ, in all of the year, he should be honored, but especially those three. And so today we celebrate our Lord's victory over sin and its consequences. Death, hell, and the grave. Isn't God amazing? And what more could humanity want or ask for than to have our God, our wonderful savior, redeem us from the effects of sin and to restore to us relationship with him. That's what this is really all about. And I'm turning to the scripture today and I want to thank you again for coming. We love you, so glad you're here. I hope this service impacts your life. And that you will never forget what God did for you this day. In Acts chapter 12, I'm reading a text of scripture in verse 1. If you have your devices, you may turn there. And I'll just put in a plug for Wednesday night. And next Sunday morning, Bishop Tudor, Bismarck is going to be in the house. One of the best speakers you will ever hear. I begin at verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king... Stretched out his hand to arrest some from the church Then he killed James the brother of John with the sword And because he saw that it pleased the Jews He proceeded further to seize Peter also Notice this, this is going to tell you when this occurred Now it was during the days of unleavened bread That was that time of the Passover that we're in So when he had arrested him, he put him, that is Peter in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. And particularly notice this next phrase, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Everybody say after Passover, after Passover. This year, our holiday of Good Friday and Easter actually coincides with the Jewish Passover and the other two feasts connected with it, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Firstfruits. That's significant because they, it used to always coincide until Constantine, Emperor of Rome, changed the dates. And so now our Easter date is kind of a floating date. But this year, it coincided exactly with the Jewish holidays, just as it once always did. And so the Jewish Passover was actually Easter, the day Christ rose from the grave. Those three feasts, the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of Firstfruits all occurred together the Feast of fruits was the day that Jesus was resurrected. Now, Herod was waiting until those three days and those three observances had occurred. And then he intended to bring Peter out and have him executed. The phrase that captures my attention is the one that he intended to bring him before the people after Passover. I want to speak today from the subject after Easter intentions. After Easter intentions. Father, I thank you for the incredible word of God that gives us light to illuminate our path every day. I thank you for the sacrifice of our Lord. And I thank you that he gave himself that we could be here this morning that we could be saved, delivered. None of us found God. You weren't lost. You found us. And I'm so grateful for everything that you did. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave yourself to suffer so horribly the agonies of the cross and be buried in the tomb. But I am grateful that you rose again this very day. And I praise you for that and will ever serve you because you did, because you did that for me and all of us. And so anoint your word this morning and let it fulfill the mission that it has come to be delivered with and let that mission be completed in every heart. And I ask it in Jesus name and everybody shouted and said, Amen. Shout it out loud. Boy, that sounds good. You look beautiful. Good to see you in the Lord's house. Amen. He is risen, He is alive forevermore. Amen. The extraordinary significance of this day, Easter, is summed up for us in Colossians 2, chapter 13 through 15, where Paul writes, and you, and I'm going to change that and use the collective pronoun as though we were speaking about ourselves. And we being dead in our trespasses and in the circumcision of our flesh, he, that is God, has made alive together with him, having forgiven us Us, all, say that, all, our trespasses. I put that in the collective pronoun to include us because some people feel like God did what he did for everything but them. But I want you to notice he has forgiven us all, not some, not 99%, all of our trespasses. That's amazing. The next verse says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. In those days when you were convicted of a crime, they would imprison you and they would charge you money before you could get out. They would imprison you for debts. And they would nail to the door of your prison cell a parchment that listed the charges and the amount of money that had to be paid before you could be released. It wasn't like you're going to do six months. You were there until the debt was paid. And your family would struggle to raise money. And as they paid against the debt, they would mark a line through it and they would show the reduced amount. And then the next amount as you paid more, and then the next amount until finally the debt was paid in full. At which point they would unlock your prison cell, And they would release you and give you that parchment to carry with you. So wherever you went, you would be able to see that they had written across it paid in full. The apostle Paul is telling us that, that what is what Jesus did for us. He paid the full penalty. He didn't get a sale price. He didn't negotiate a bargain. He paid the full penalty for our sins and then was nailed to the cross. And when he cried out, it is finished. The charges were paid and you and I were set free. Christ ripped the list of sins right off hell's gates and said, I've paid the price, you are free. Here is your document. Live by the word of God and never let the devil tell you that you owe that debt again. Paul goes on to further say that having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In ancient Rome, whenever a conquering general would return from war, having defeated the army that he had been engaged in battle with, they would do what is called a triumph, they would declare a public holiday. And all of the citizenry of Rome and the nobles and the great and the small would come in line, the avenue into Rome. And as the returning general entered the gates of Rome, they would shout and cheer. And that was called a triumph. They would lead the vanquished prisoners, stripped and naked, and they would jeer them and they would pelt them with rotten vegetables. And the crowd would celebrate the return of the conquering hero. It is said that Romulus, who founded the city of Rome, held the first triumph 750 years before Christ was born. That's an amazing thing because that's what the apostle Paul tells us that Jesus did for us. He conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave and led them defeated and shamed before heaven in a great and victorious parade and return to heaven as the conquering hero. I want you to know that Christ has come and he has conquered all for us. Can somebody say amen? Satan and his minions are defeated. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. And listen up, hell has been conquered. The grave has been overcome. Jesus won the battle and is Lord of all. Somebody give God a praise break right now. Hallelujah. The big question is that after Easter, what will we do now that Christ has conquered all? You see, Easter demands a response. You cannot talk about the death, the burial, the suffering, the agony, the internment, and then the glorious resurrection of Jesus as though it was a topic to be spoken over as you drink coffee. It demands a response. In our text, we see that Herod had after Easter intentions. He had plans following Easter, something he intended to do. And granted, they weren't the best plans he could have made, but he had if, after Easter intentions nonetheless. It is on this talk that I want us to focus for just a few minutes. Passover occurs each year at the time of the original Easter. As I explained in the Good Friday service just two days ago, Easter is actually the fulfillment. Of Passover Christ was our Passover lamb The spotless lamb Just as those who had the blood Applied to the doorpost of their homes In ancient Egypt were passed over When the angel of destruction came through the land We who have Christ in our hearts Are covered and protected By the blood from the destruction of the evil one Amen and may i say a word to every father in this home because you're the priest to your family or every single mom you need to live your life with the blood of jesus covering your home your family and your house we live in a world that is going crazy some of us look at what's happening who have spent a few years on this planet and we shake our heads Some of you who are younger, I've heard you ask the question, can this go on another 25 years? The insanity of the times in which we live make us all aware that something momentous is coming just down the road and we need to prepare for it. Just as the Passover lamb was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary and rose again, you and I are someday going to Be resurrected to be with him. Hallelujah to the Lamb. And if we're still alive. We will be caught up together. With him to meet the Lord in the air. Somebody ought to give God a praise for that. Herod had after Easter intentions. He had plans as soon as the Passover. Was behind him. Hopefully you and I do as well. For some who are here today or who are listening to and watching this service from home, if you're not serving Christ, I'm praying that your after Easter intentions will be to live for God. I'm hoping that you will be so touched and moved by what Christ has done for you that you will make a decision, I can't live without living my life for the one who redeemed my life. I must serve him Easter is the perfect occasion to give your heart to Christ. I can't think of a better day. I truly cannot. I can't think of a better time to begin your new life as a believer. And hopefully you will be moved by the love that Jesus has for you to such a degree that his love will win you over. And in this service today, you will say, I'm giving my heart to Christ this morning. I'm going to live for him. My after Easter intentions is to be a child of God. If you do that, I want you to know all of heaven will rejoice. There will be a party in heaven because you made that decision. But you see, there are also believers who have been disengaged. That is, This Easter, I think that God is talking to some of us as well. If you're a believer in this whole COVID thing has affected your commitment to God, your church attendance, you know, during COVID, it was real easy to have an excuse not to be in the house of God. I mean, the doctor said, don't go. The medical experts said, don't go, right? Well, you know, every one of us still live in a body that is flesh, that is looking for an easy way out, that wants the route of least resistance and man that's exactly what some of us needed to hear we have the perfect excuse but can I let you in on a secret that wasn't the only reason some folks stopped going to church did you know that prior to COVID the average Christian in America attended one time out of every four Sundays once out of every four Sundays that wasn't how I was raised anybody in the building remember back in the day you went to everything if the, if the doors of the church were open. Anybody remember those times? I was raised by a praying grandmother, and I'm going to tell you, if they had church, you'd be there. I mean, even the old gray-headed folk went to youth meeting on Sunday night. I'm serious. They went to the youth service, and that's not all. Men went to the ladies' prayer meeting on Thursday morning. If the doors were open, you're supposed to be in the house of God. Well, we don't want to get all legalistic about it, and I'm not. But what I'm trying to say is they knew something that we might not know. That being where God's house is in corporate worship had an effect on your life. You can fight battles all by yourself and never get anywhere. But when you're caught up in the presence of other believers worshiping God and the presence of God is there, it makes a difference. And so we had reasons. That's exactly what we needed, an excuse to drop out. Maybe we've gotten so busy that we couldn't come. Jesus talked about that and cautioned us lest that happen. Matthew 13, 22, he said, now he who receives seed, that's the word of God, among thorns is he who hears the word of God and the cares of this, whoa, cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Man, there's never been a more busy time in the history of humanity on this pleasant planet. We're so busy. We've got microwaves. We've got dishwashers and washing machines. I remember wash day when my grandmother would wash clothes one day a week. It was a whole day's affair. Now it's so easy. Throw them in the washer, walk off. Well, a few minutes later, come back, throw them in the dryer and forget about them. Anybody glad for the modern conveniences we've had? But have you noticed that in spite of drive-through windows, they get your food out to you and less time than you can thaw the meat out to cook it. Have you noticed that we're still busy? You know why? We spend most of our time on these things right here. We get so busy. The average American spends over two hours a day just on social media. Busy, 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 busy. Caught up in the affairs of life and the cares of life. Choke the word of God right out of us. And then we're too busy to be in the house of God. You say, you guilt tripping me? Nah, I'm just telling you the way it is. You know how it is. (laughs) Amen. And be honest. Be honest. Didn't it almost feel good when they said, you don't have to go to church because of COVID. Your flesh said, well, I get to sleep late Sunday morning. I can watch the service in my PJs. But then the next thing you know, you were sleeping late and not watching the service. Oh, I know. I know. Amen. And I pray that today, if you're one of those that became disengaged, that on this Easter, your after Easter intentions are, I'm going to dig in again. I'm going to get a grip again. I'm going to get a hold again. I'm going to recommit to God again. I'm going to be on fire again. I'm going to go to church again the way I need to, the way my family needs me to. I'm going to be there. Amen. Everyone is watching what is going on in the Ukraine. When the war started, our generals told us three to four days max, they would overrun the Ukraine. Now we're in 50 plus days of war. And I don't know about you, but man, my heart swells when I think of those people fighting over there in defense of their homeland. I'm so proud of them. They should have been trampled under the war machine of Russia, but they're still standing 50 days later. And I love it. I said, I absolutely love it. I pray for those folks. I'm praying for that nation. Yes, I am. I remember when we used to have that kind of pride right here in America. I mean, the, the former Miss Ukraine, a photograph was taken with her holding a rifle. She said, I'm going to war and she did. Doctors went, have gone to war, dentists, nurses, politicians, garbage collectors, carpenters, plumbers, housewives, school teachers, professors. They're fighting for their country, amen. And every one of us are proud and amazed at the resilience and the strength of the Ukrainian people. But do you know something? In war, you get wounded. And some of you have stopped going to the house of God because you got hurt in the war. You got hurt in church. Somebody damaged you. Somebody said something. Somebody did something. Somebody accused you of something. Somebody ignored you and overlooked you and you got wounded in the house of God. But let me show you what's going on in the Ukraine. They're getting wounded and you know what they're doing? Right there with their bandages. See that guy? See the blood on that thing on his arm, that sling? He didn't lay down his rifle and said, I I quit, I got hurt, can you believe it? A war happened and I got wounded. I, I wasn't in it for this. No, he kept his rifle and continued to fight. And I want to encourage you that if you've been wounded and dropped out, let your after Easter intention be to get back in the battle again. We need you. Come on home. Get engaged in the war. We need you to be in the battle with us. We're fighting for this nation. The church is at war and the powers of darkness would like to cause the church to be overrun, trampled underfoot and then forgotten. It would like for its beliefs to be ignored yet those beliefs are literally from the word of God. Every time you walk in the doors of God's house you're casting a vote for the kingdom. You're casting a vote for God. And every time you stay home You're casting a vote for the other side to win. You don't want that. You don't want God's kingdom to lose. And it's not going to. I want to tell you it's going to triumph someday. But you want to be there when it does. And you want to be a part of the celebration. Hallelujah. And thirdly, if you are a committed believer, Easter is the time to draw even nearer to God. Get even closer. You've been here all along. You've weathered the storms. You've been right there praying and seeking God and fasting and serving. You know what? In the ancient Jewish law, there was a provision made for what they called voluntary sacrifices or offerings. There were some that were not voluntary, they were mandatory. There were five types of sacrifices in the Old Testament Levitical law. But there was a voluntary sacrifice where You didn't have to offer it. Nobody made you. There was no gun in your back. God wouldn't punish you if you didn't. That's not it. But you know what? You would take that voluntary sacrifice and bring it to the house of God. And you would say, I want to offer this as a voluntary offering. Just because I want God to know that I love Him. Just because I want to get closer. I'm going to go beyond what is required. I'm going to go a step beyond what is mandatory. I'm going to walk the second mile. I'm going to see. I I know all the rules, but I'm, I'm going to go beyond that. I'm not one of those trying to live right on the edge of falling off the precipice and being lost. No, sir. I'm going to go all out for God and give him what he didn't even require. He gave his best for me. I'm going to give my best for him. Can somebody shout and say amen? Amen. That's what a Nazarite was. Did you know that? We read about Nazarites in the Bible. Samson was born and from the day he was born, he was to be a Nazarite. Never cut his hair, never touch any products of of grapes or vines. That was part of the requirement. He messed up his life in other ways. But did you know that you could choose to be a Nazarite? That was one of the provisions of the law. You didn't have to. You could just be perfectly content working your job, going to the house of God when you were supposed to, serving people, smiling, raising your family. But if you wanted to get closer to God, you know what you could do? You could say, I'm gonna be a Nazarite. And you could make a vow. And that could be for 30 days. It could be for 60, be as long as you wanted to. It could be for years even. The apostle Paul did that. You read about him going back to Jerusalem to pay his vows and have his head shaved. You know what he had done? He had made himself a Nazarite for a period of time. And if you're already serving God, could I encourage you to do this? Maybe draw in a little closer. I know you're doing everything that's required. And nobody's knocking that. God's proud of you. God loves you. I love you. I'm so proud of this church. I wouldn't want to pastor anywhere else. You're the greatest people in the world. I love worshiping with you. I love praying with you. I love being with you. But can I tell you that one of the things that has blessed my own life the most. Is sometimes just to draw close to him and say Lord. I want to do something you don't require just to show you I love you. Amen. And so if you're a committed believer, why don't you in this Easter season say, you know, I have after Easter intentions. I'm gonna do something that isn't even necessary. I'm gonna just love him that much more. Oh, I'm doing everything that I can, everything I'm supposed to do, everything the word of God says, but Lord, you've been so good to me. You came when you didn't have to. You left heaven and streets of gold to come to this dirty, blighted, sin-cursed world. And because you did, Lord, I'm going to just do a little bit more than I need to for you. I'm going I'm to praise you harder. I'm going to worship you more. I want every atom of me, heart, soul, mind, and strength to be devoted to you. I want every atom of my being down to the electrons and the protons and the neutrons and any other trons they may have that make up my body. I don't want one of them to not love you. I want to love you from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm getting ready to close. Just a few minutes. You know, those are good after Easter intentions. To be saved to recommit or to draw in a little closer. But can I tell you, the longer I live, the more I realize that life is a race between time and good intentions. Herod didn't get to fulfill his intentions. God set Peter free. Angel came and unlocked the prison door and Peter escaped. And what Herod intended to do after Easter never did get done. And how many of us, we have intentions that never, never Or fulfill The Bible tells us of a number of occasions when someone intended to do something, but somehow things didn't turn out the way they had planned. Way back in Genesis, we read of of Jacob's 11 sons. Benjamin had not been born yet. He would have been the 12th. And the youngest was Joseph. And 10 of Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. Oh, you've never been through that, have you? I was talking to some of you, wounded and hurt in church. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've been talked about. Who hasn't? I've had folk make up stuff that when they made it up, i like, what? I had to admire them for their imagination. I'm serious. I thought, my God, if you'd put that into some creative channel, you could make a billion dollars and be another Elon Musk. Some of the stuff that they create I've been talked about. You have two. But you know what you do? You look around and you realize, hey, all these folk here that look so pretty on Sunday morning. There's no perfect church. And can I go a step further and tell you if there was, they wouldn't let me and you be a part. Because it wouldn't be perfect anymore. Hate to tell you that, but that's just the way it is. God puts his treasure in earthen vessels, flesh. Amen. And they were jealous of Joseph. His brothers were, it's a type of the church. And they saw him coming. And they conspired to kill him. And Reuben, the eldest, said, wait, whoa, whoa, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't kill Joseph. Here's a pit with no water in it. Throw him in there. And what Reuben was really planning on doing was leading them away as they herded the sheep, the flock, to other grazing pastures. And he was going to go back and rescue Joseph. And so Reuben sets out after they throw Joseph in the pit. He says, guys, I'm going to go spy out some better your land and he takes off and he thinks that they're gonna follow him and he's gonna circle back around. But while he's gone, Ishmaelites come, a trading car- camel caravan comes and the brothers look at each other and say, look, these are slave traders. Man, rather than let our brother die, let's make some money on him. They pulled him out and sold him to the Ishmaelites And the next thing you know, he's down in Egypt. Meanwhile, Reuben returns who had good intentions. The brothers have moved on now. And he comes and says, hey, 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 Joseph, I'm going to drop a rope down to you. But there's no answer. He lost the race between time and good intentions. And I got a word for somebody. Because some of you have been betrayed too. Some of you have been betrayed by family. Don't say amen. Amen. Some of you have been hurt by people that are sitting next to you right now. Or they're not here. You've been wounded. But let me tell you something. God used that to bring you to where you are right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, God specializes in turning things around. And what was meant to harm you, he will turn it to your good. Somebody ought to give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I know you didn't like it. I've been through things that I'm so glad I went through it. Do I want to go through it again? No. No, thank you. But I'm glad I made it through it. Because I wouldn't be where I am right now if I had not. I serve a God who specializes in divine reversal. He can take what the enemy meant to harm you and turn it to your good. Hello. For all things work together for good to those who love God. And are the called according to his purposes. So you might not like the bus that you've been riding on. But it's going to still bring you to the right destination by the time God gets through directing it. Somebody that made it through some stuff you weren't supposed to make it through. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still here. Would you do that? Come on, air high five somebody. And say I'm still here. I made it by the grace of God. I'm standing by the grace of God. I survived it by the grace of God. I took what the devil meant to destroy me. And I'm still on my feet by the grace of God. Hallelujah. In the book of Acts, there's another example of someone who had good intentions but didn't get to. Fulfill them. Felix, upon hearing the prisoner, the Apostle Paul preached, trembled. God got a hold of him and he said, Paul, go and I will call for you when I have a more convenient season. He never called for him again. That was his moment. You see, there's a principle that I need to share with you. And it is this, the important breakthroughs in your life all begin with a single decision. They all begin with a single decision. That's right. The trick is we must choose to act now and not later. Act when the moment comes. I'm sorry, but I love that Eminem song. lose yourself in the music the moment you own it never let it go you only get one shot don't lose your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a lifetime you gotta grab it when it comes you gotta get a hold of it you've gotta act on it hallelujah oh I feel the Holy Spirit in this room God's talking to somebody right now Y'all forgive me, I'm getting happy. In 1599, Caesar wrote in Julius Caesar, Act 4, Scene 3, there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted all the voyage of their lives is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat. And we must seize the current where it serves or lose our ventures. Fancy way of saying, you better get going right now. To not act is sometimes a decision to let the opportunity pass you by. Years ago at a resort community, true story, on the East Coast, they were having a town hall meeting many years ago, and about 12 people were there that were the leaders of the community. And they were discussing the financial problems of the community and what to do and considering different prospects. And there was a stranger that had joined them and no one knew who it was. And he spoke up and tried to say something, but they cut him off and just talked right over him. And that was the last time, the only time he spoke. And at the end of the meeting, he got up and was the first to leave And somebody was late attending the meeting that was one of the leaders of the community meeting just about over and the man rushed in and they said these words. What is he doing here? What is he doing here? Did he agree to help us? And everybody looked at him like, what? What do you mean? What was he here? Who are you talking about? And he said, that man I passed on the way out. And they said, We don't understand what you're talking about. He said, you mean you don't know? That was John David Rockefeller. And that was his yacht in the harbor. Now, if you don't know about John David Rockefeller, he's considered to be the richest man who ever lived with the exception of Solomon. He was worth $464 billion in today's dollars, which is about two times what Elon Musk is worth. Who is currently the world's wealthiest man. At 224 billion. His worth. Elon Musk worth is less than half that of Rockefeller. Lose yourself in the music. The moment you own it. Better never let it go. You only get one shot. Don't lose your. Boy you better grab it. Now is the time to act. This is pointed out in the famous Latin phrase, corpe diem. And what it means is literally seize the day. It was a phrase coined by Horace, the Roman philosopher, 23 years before Christ was born. That's how far back people have known that you better seize your moment when you can. And I'll close with this. Success in any endeavor, whether it's your marriage, your family, your finances, your ministry, Serving God is a combination of several things. Hear me, hold up four fingers if you would. Everybody, it is a combination of preparation, meeting opportunity at the right time with God's favor and blessing. Any one of those four things missing, it's an uphill struggle all the way and there's no guarantees. This is what Easter does for us. Easter gives us the opportunity to act decisively and say yes to God. You can spend your entire life moving toward a significant moment in time and then suddenly it clicks and everything comes together and you need to act when that moment comes. And so Easter brings it all together for us. After Easter intentions, you don't know God, now's the time to give your heart to him. If you disengaged, now's the time to re-engage. If you are engaged, now's the time to commit even more. Would you stand with me?